Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hi, this is Henry Gilra, co-executive producer of Star Wars Rebels. You're listening to Aggressive Negotiations. Welcome, fair traveler, to the bright center of the Star Wars galaxy on the Nerd Party Network, Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast that looks at Star Wars from some slightly different angles. I am one of your hosts, Jedi Master John Mills, and with me as always is the insightful, astute, and legendary Jedi Master Matthew Rushing. Matt, how you doing? Hello there. No? Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I'm doing fantastic. I was a little taken aback by such... Uh, you know, copious amounts of praise. I, I I don't know if I deserve it, but thank you very much. It's it's great to be here to to talk some Star Wars, John. It's always fun to talk Star Wars, which we do on the Nerd Party on a weekly basis. And if you want to contact us, you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact and select aggressive negotiations. We get a little email and we read it. And we'll respond to it. And if you want to check out the other shows on the nerdparty.com, we have everything for every taste from Star Trek to Doctor Who to Netflix watching to interviews with uh, with established and up and coming artists and even musical acts and all of those sorts of things. You can, of course, find us over on the social networks at Join Nerd Party on Twitter, the Nerd Party on Facebook and the Nerd Party on Instagram. So those are all of the official channels, as we love to mention them. And we find ourselves still on something of a Star Wars Rebels high uh, this week. So instead of sacrificing that momentum, we're going to embrace it. And we're going to talk about a central relationship in Star Wars Rebels. One that I know that Matt and I have uh, discussed and debated back and forth over the years while Rebels has been on the air. And now that it's off, let's have... We have a full picture of the relationship between Hera and Kanan. And I guess this this kicks it off, Matt. What do you think of our first fully functional space marriage that we've gotten in the Star Wars galaxy? Uh, I I love it, honestly. Um, I remember going all the way back and uh, reading A New Dawn uh, when it came out, John Jackson mm. Miller's book that that kicked off uh, the characters of Kanan and Hera for the first time. That's the first time we saw them, got a chance to read uh, about these two characters. And I, I, I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed their banter. Um, the, their relationship felt like uh, a very classic 1940s, 50s kind of feel um, from cinema. So uh, the, the snappy back and forth between them. Uh, and, and I just really loved those characters. And I'm I'm somebody in general who, who's been a shipper of, of relationships and shows and stuff. You know, I've, I've gotten into that. And, um, man, I've been accused of, of that. So I, I really 
liked these two characters and I liked the way that it was handled throughout the series, this clear feeling that these two love each other and yet they are willing to put aside that um, for what needs to be done. Um, and you get the feeling like throughout the series that there may be times where maybe they're more intimate than they let on to anybody else, but it never interferes with the job that they have to do. And, it, and it's even hard for them um, to admit that it is more to them than it can be at the moment. And just like the whole thing, I think, is really beautiful because it is the central thing that trips up Anakin right of not Mm -hmm. being able to let go and so you know watching Kanan be willing to let go of what he desires for what is better for the rest of the galaxy beyond himself and Hera um, I I think is it's it's really beautiful I mean it's it's actually a great picture of um, you know how relationships can actually make you a better person uh, and and really like, well, give you the impetus to even do what's right when it when it's a really good thing. Well, I, the, the thing is, I, w- I would back it up uh, even from that point because, of course, Kanan has a very heroic and noble end, and yes, he learns the lesson Anakin can't about letting go. But I think even before that, what we see, what I think is really interesting, is a uh, a mirroring of the way the relationship between Anakin and Padme should have functioned. And Mm -hmm. if you take Kanan and Hera and you hold them up against Anakin and Padme and not just Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but how we saw them function in the Clone Wars series, I think it's a very interesting sort of balance between the two because I think it makes it even more apparent I think that Padme very easily could have made it work. Yes. Okay. Oh, you know, take a, we're living in secret and you were, oh, all of that type of stuff. But it's really Anakin's failings that doom that relationship. Whereas you see here, Kanan is able to function like a person without wanting to be controlling and so in a, in a sense you see another meditation on relationships in Star Wars a very interesting one one that we never got to see really mirrored with Han and Leia but this one is a one to one Jedi and non-Jedi both strong people in a high tension environment functioning well together You know, I really like what you're saying because, again, I'm going to come back to something that was uh, in A New Dawn. And this actually I thought was was really interesting. It it comes from a canon book. And so there's this bit at the beginning of Chapter 20, and it says this. The Jedi Order was more than an unpaid police force, more than just an exercise club that was into metaphysics. It was a way of life based on the Jedi Code. And a lot of rules for living that weren't in the code that had become tacked on later. One was that the Jedi avoided becoming involved in romantic relationships. Once on the run, Kanan Jarrus had found that pretty easy to forget about. And I love this idea that for the Jedi, being unattached in romantic relationships, it's something that wasn't originally a part of the original Jedi code. And 
I, I think it would have been interesting, you know, just kind of a, as a side tangent real quick, if Anakin and Padme had been able to make their relationship work in a way that made the Jedi rethink their idea about romantic relationships and how actually they could have benefited the Jedi Order instead of detracted from it. And I think that's the thing that we see with Kanan and Hera and their relationship is that Kanan becomes a much better man and even Jedi because of his relationship with Hera. And I think Hera becomes a much better woman and leader because of her relationship with Kanan. And and they 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 garner strength from that. So I, I think it, it it's one of those things that, especially by the time we got to the end of the series, I very much felt like they were the prototype of of how do you hold the tenets of the Jedi faith and your your responsibility to the galaxy and at the same time be able to have a relationship with somebody um, like this. And I thought it was really well done. And it's, and it's because Kanan and Hera are both willing to let go when needed for the greater good. Um, and I think that's, a again, it's just kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I agree that it's a beautiful thing. I, I agree that it's very interesting, the, this meditation on how they shift the understanding of the, you know, the rules of the Jedi and the tenets of the Order, because, because I think it's a much more subtle criticism of, you know, what had happened to the Jedi than we sometimes get in other materials, and I think as a result, it's it's terrific storytelling because it gets you there in a very subtle way. It's it, it really is like when Rebels started and even as the relationship was first being established, it wasn't really apparent that you were going to get this specific type of commentary on it. And for it to become this commentary to show how the understanding of what a Jedi is is changing as we get to Luke. I think that in and of itself is also extremely interesting because we've had our understanding of the Jedi changed by Ahsoka, now by Kanan, and so we can see this this sort of like lapping of the waves on the shore, and it's this really interesting way of how like each little, each little wave, each little crack in the wall contributes to what eventually becomes what is supposed to be the ultimate enlightenment in Return of the Jedi. And I, I think it's really good because it winds up, I mean, I as a result, it winds up informing the prequels and the original trilogy. And so it truly does become a tying thing, but not just because it's telling us how A and B happened or how we got from this point to that point. It's telling you how the understanding and focus of things changed and it informs the themes, which are the important things to tie together between all of these different properties. Well, I think one of the things that it also does is it, it ties in the clone wars and the relationship between Obi-Wan and Satine. And it becomes um, like you were talking about waves. It becomes the next wave like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and Satine took it so far. Right. But they, but they never crossed the line and because they wouldn't that's who that those characters are in that sense uh, i always kind of figured that they may have when they were younger crossed the line of like physical relationship but 
but mm. they never they never went beyond the you know obviously yeah no, no I could see I, I'm sorry to cut you off but I, I could I could very much see a story with Obi-Wan and Satine having that moment and then the following morning oh geez we can't we can't do this can we like and that, because I think that would add it even more weight to what they talk about where they got to a point right and it was like ah we can't do this right because uh, um I, I again I think exactly what you're saying it, it does feel like that 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 happened but she was never going to ask him to leave the order right and he was never going to to um, ask the question either and they both made the decision without having talked about it but they they both knew that they were in the same place and I think this is that that next level where Kanan and Hera because of where Kanan is he finds himself kind of unshackled from the rules of the Jedi Order he's just trying to survive yeah but through this process he actually finds himself being able to be what the Jedi maybe were a, a few maybe maybe 20 generations 30 generations but from the prequels maybe they were more like this but here's here's an interesting question does doesn't that also wind up supporting doesn't this space marriage also wind up supporting you know I, I'm gonna go out on a limb palpatine the the dogmatic narrow, ways of the Jedi order. He I mean that's why Al Palpatine's argument has such a point is the Jedi wound up narrowing their own understanding of things. You know, Palpatine says, I have a larger view of the Force. Now, of course Palpatine was evil and he dabbled in the dark side obviously, and his goals were all very selfish as a Sith's must be. But at the same time, like it really is one of those fascinating things because Ezra, who's tempted by Palpatine, is shown this idea of it, like the Jedi were were flawed in and of themselves by the like. I I know I'm being very inelegant about this, but basically, I think Ezra winds up being able to resist Palpatine because his master was a better Jedi than the majority of the Jedi who were trying to train him. Well, and, and I think that's what makes um, those two episodes so important. Kanan, by willingly, as Ahsoka says, finding the moment when he was needed most and not turning his back on it and being willing to, to sacrifice everything himself for what he loved, for what he believed in, he's allowing himself to let go. Yeah. And and that's what allows Ezra to be able to let go because as much as he wants his parents, I think he realizes that's as much as Kanan wanted Hera. He wanted us, this family, right? And so he understands that that for what we believe in, it may cost us what we love the most. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that's a beautiful lesson. And again, Kanan and Hera really show that ability of, of like you said, that there's there was some dogmatic views of the Jedi that had been cluttering their code that they had gotten away from. And it may have seemed like a good idea at the time, but it became a, a form of legalism almost. Um, 
instead of something that truly uh, flowed from the force, you know, and and um, the the cutting off of as and Anakin is absolutely right when he says to Padme, compassion is essential to a Jedi's life. Unconditional love is essential to a Jedi's life, and one of the best ways to learn about unconditional love is to be married to have a family and if you're if you've if anybody of that's listening has has been in that kind of relationship and had kids you understand what sacrificial love is like because that's probably the majority of your life the one thing <laughs> the one thing i will throw out there is that being married and having a family can also um urge one sometimes to understand the sith a little bit better but you know just gonna throw that out there you know understand <laughs> yeah. their points but i i think honestly what what it is is i would say that the that that Kanan and Hera's relationship does all of these things, but I think it also speaks to the fact that there shouldn't be an order to begin with. There should be like maybe a Jedi Federation. There where there's no there's no like giant council. The United Federation of Jedi? Basically. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. No, I mean and the, and that's the thing. That's that is, you know, to tie it even over to uh, you know, where Luke was, and you and I have gone, gone back and forth about this, regardless of what, you know, any other arguments out there, I do agree with the idea that reestablishing the Jedi Order was not what Luke was meant to do. And that in and of itself is a mistake because it's the Jedi, like Luke is supposed to be the penultimate new understanding of things. And I think for that reason, this, like we even see, I guess, with Kanan, a hint of what Luke was supposed to go on and do, which was go out and spread, you know, and, and we've had that discussion about, you know, where we thought Luke yeah. should go after Jedi well, and everything. And like I think, that, I think too, that it, um, I, what they show in this, in their relationship. And again, I think we, we touched on this when we were talking to Henry last week, um, but the idea of what Kane and uh, Ezra actually are, are the representation of the type of Jedi they should be. Now, I don't think there shouldn't not be an order, but what I do think is that the order should be something that it maybe has a temple. It should probably be on a planet like Yavin or something like that that is full of the Force uh, and and full of nature to be a place that's much less technologically based and something much more like the temple maybe we even see on Lothal. Sure. But at the same time, it not be run by a council that is just like this kind of uh, monolithic thing um, that they only come together to decide certain things together and they have to be elected by the other Jedi to get there and they serve for a specific time and then they're not, a, you know, what I'm saying like, the, <laughs> yeah, anyway, but, I'm, but I then, put way but too then, much thought into this. But, but no, but but then, but then the uh, the libertarian streak I have inside of me would be like, that sounds like government, and government corrupts, and it's you know, I, I got a little <laughs> bit of Ron Swanson going on, so you know, <laughs> but I, I like I, I, I'm yeah. more, see the thing is I'm thinking more that Kanan and Hera's relationship supports the idea, and the way Ezra ends up and all of that supports the idea that I, I wouldn't call it an order. I would view it more the way that, you know, sort of the 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 samurai masters in the in the legendary tales and the films that we all watched growing right. up should have been functioning. You know, there's this one guy and, you know, two masters might meet and learn from each other 
and stuff like that. And they, they could work together and everything, but there's no centralized sort of thing of Jedi. Because, you know, in all honesty, like what Yoda and Ben wind up doing of going off and, you know, quiet contemplation and stuff. Well, anyway, and you know, I, the thing is, though, because we're, we're sitting here, we're, you know, we're bringing it back to the Jedi as we should and everything like that. I want to shine a spotlight on Hera because I think that once again, a Star Wars animated series... I think the whole reason that the space marriage works is because Hera is such an incredibly strong and interesting female character. Like yeah. I see her as, and the thing is, I like looking for the right word, it's going to come out wrong, but I see her as worthy of being in a relationship with a Jedi. I saw Satine as worthy of being in a relationship with a Jedi, a very strong, independent person who at the same time, you know, we're talking about, you know, learning to let go and everything like that, also didn't put up with Kanan's S. You know, Kanan would say, like, no, I think that, and she would push back. She wasn't intimidated by him at all. She, you know, it was a functional relationship, but it was even more functional because there was nothing about Kanan that made her take a step back for any reason. Yeah, I, I mean... So it's funny because I was uh, I was listening back um, to the 602 Club that I did with um, our friend Bruce and my friend Aaron um, about A New Dawn. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that that brought up was my love of Hera. Like and I have loved Hera on this show since the the it began. She's my actually my favorite character I think in the show is because she is the person who is pure in the Force and yet she doesn't have um, the ability to tap into it in the same way that the Jedi do. Mm -hmm. But that she knows what's right and she by being that that purity in the force um, and, and this this light and goodness in her helps them be better people, mm -hmm. uh, specifically Kanan. Um, and I don't know if Kanan would have in the first episode of Rebels, you know, pulled out his lightsaber and showed himself to be a former Jedi in front of Imperials if it hadn't been for his previous relationship uh, that he'd mm. been having with Hera up to that point. So, okay. I, you know, I, I think that she has a massive influence on who he becomes. And I think it's really cool that it's her strength that that helps him find his strength again, that it helps yeah. him find his purpose again, that it helps him find his center in the force again. Um and, and find his way back to what he actually does believe, um, but he had wanted to let go of because of what happened. And I just, it's, I think it's because of how strong and good she is. He reminds, she reminds him of, of what he should be. Right. Every, every relationship that functions in a healthy fashion, the two spouses, bring out the best in the other. And that is, I think, what Hera does with Kanan and Kanan does with Hera. I want to ask, though, do you think that their, their being space married 
is informed also by the fact that they have this crew of children, uh, to t- and I'm including Zeb in that, <laughs> to take care yeah. and Chopper. Um, and you know what? So much love for Chopper. I, I, you know, I know that I know that people thought well, Chopper was a jerk, but he's of of the mem- of the he's such a lovable little scamp, basically. But do you think that they also do you think that their space family informed their space marriage? Do you think that that helped them even to become better with each other? You know, um, I, I loved that they kind of became the mom and dad of the show. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And um, you could clearly see that even in the very first season of Rebels about how they take Ezra under their wing and they both have a role to play in his burgeoning Jediism. And I think that's really beautiful because it's not just Kanan that that helps shape who Ezra is going to be. It's Hera as well. Mm-hmm. Like she has a huge impact on on who he's going to be. And I again, I think that it's his uh I think it's her strength and commitment to the cause in a way that's not saw-like, you know, where it's like mm. obsessive crazy that's ruined her, but in a clear, like level-headed way, but there's that fire and passion that's controlled correctly. I think Ezra sees that in her. And I think it also, you know, I think Kanan has seen that in her too. And I think, again, she has a, a the strength that allows him to be who she, you know, he's going to be. And Kanan and her together help form this kind of um, surrogate parent relationship for this young boy. And of course, with Sabine too, we see that clearly with them helping train Sabine, you know, in uh, season three with uh, the the Darksaber and everything. That whole episode, those two episodes were just gorgeous. Yes. Gorgeous episodes. Yes, they were. With her and Kanan and, and the way he you know, brings that out in her and he finally gets her to break down and like, you know, embrace why she left and everything that's happened to her. And and just like them together, they made a force that changed these people's lives and changed the galaxy for the better. Well, what what I think is interesting is you you brought up Saw and I think that in and of itself is such an interesting uh, character an element for them to have brought in to Rebels because Saw and Hera are doing the same thing on a on paper. They're off right. independently causing problems for the Empire. And I think it's really interesting because by bringing Saw in, you, you actually build his character up even more and give more uh, shading and, and, and clarity to his character through Hera. And I think yeah. that in and of itself is really interesting because it makes Hera even more important to the story, you know, for, for the entire saga to act as that contrast with the way Saul goes about things. And I just think that in and of itself is so interesting because Saul also knows of the Jedi and knows of their powers and knows, of you know, like all of that stuff. Yep. Yeah. But he doesn't hold on. Like when Hera encounters it, in Canaan, it gives her great, uh, you know, strength and life. Is it possible that Saul lost his way because he didn't have a 
Canaan-like figure in his life. Like, it, it does does Canaan wind up becoming an anchor for Hera? And, of course, you know, talking back to, you know, how we all bring out the best in each other when we're in a good relationship, wouldn't that be an interesting sort of thing? Like, that's what's missing for Saul, is there is nobody in his life acting like that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, it, it, that's an interesting thing to think about, the idea that, you know, Saul doesn't have that guiding force in his yeah. life somebody to help him on the way mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it is i i think you're right because and one of the things i again i really like about um a new dawn i'm going to keep referencing but it does a great job of showing that that canaan is not the greatest person when Hera meets him mm-hmm. you know he's a drunk you get the feeling like he's a womanizer um, you mm. know, he's, he's just trying to drown his sorrows, uh, and forget the pain of everything that's happened to him. And Hera gives him, reminds him of his purpose, reminds him of his life, reminds him that there is more to this. Um, and, and that, he, yeah, you could, you could go, you know, drink yourself to death and die in a pauper's grave. Nobody would care. Or you could die for something that matters and yeah i don't think uh there's anybody to help shape that that idea for saul in a way that just doesn't lead to anger mm-hmm. and resentment and bitterness that that just eats away at him for the rest of his life and and i think Hera find the force i in some ways must have brought Hera to canaan and to keep that from happening and and, and you know it, what it does for those two and then when you think about the end of the series what Canaan and Hera and Ezra and Sabine and Zeb accomplish for the galaxy um, by keeping Palpatine from getting access to the world between worlds uh, and the TIE Defender project um, is phenomenal yeah, like the the two, th- I mean, two things that would have totally reshaped the galaxy, they help stop all because they are committed to something bigger than themselves, and they are willing to let go of their personal desires for what is best for everyone. And it's a, again, it's such a great lesson, especially for today. Well, and again informs uh, the the Yub Yub song at the that was originally at the end of Return of the Jedi, the last words you heard in the Star Wars saga at that point were celebrate the love. And that's exactly it, is we see re- repeatedly throughout the saga that love is the redeeming uh, power that, that moves things and, uh, and changes the world. And so, wow, I mean, to get all of that to get all of that out of a cartoon pseudo-married couple is well, and, so crazy. And I think, you know, the thing that I really like about it is that this this relationship um, is one that could put itself aside. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the... It's the thing that I hope that somebody in Star Wars will pick up for the sequel trilogy or beyond, whatever happens. 
But I, I really think that that Filoni with this couple mm-hmm. has created the key for changing the Jedi because in a lot of ways this feels very much like the old EU and what Luke and the the new Jedi order become yeah. where they well, they are allowed to marry, you know, and I, and those kind of things. I um, I, I mm, yeah, I mean, well, yes, uh, in terms like of, that would you be know, the next wave, right? When we were talking well, yeah, about the I, idea of waves, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like Luke and Mara getting married in the old EU, um, but I mean, like Mara Jade was basically written to be Luke's love interest. She was a perfect well, yeah. fit for him. But isn't that so interesting too to see? I guess Mara, in a way, I mean, yes, we all know. Well, not everybody knows, but for anybody that might not know, Mara Jade was the Emperor's hand. And she basically found her path to redemption by uh, ignoring, quote unquote, the last command. You will kill. Well, she embraced it, but in in an unorthodox way, as things sometimes happen in Star Wars. But then eventually becomes Luke's wife. And it is... Um, it is interesting because are there similarities between, it's been a long time since I've read those books, but are there similarities between Mara and Hera? And is that sort of an interesting template to go bounce back to and see if this is an echo of the type Mm -hmm. of, I mean, it's not a one-to-one obviously because the circumstances were different. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, but I'm saying that like, Luke and Mara inarguably in that old timeline wound up bringing the best out of each other and challenged each other and were strong for each other. So I think that's interesting as well. I think it's equally interesting because we we see that echo, but then we see Han and Leia not make it. Yeah. Well, and apparently Luke doesn't ever get anybody. I mean, he... Right. You know... So, so so what like th- this is interesting because if we're talking about waves I think it reinforces the idea that by the time we get to the sequel trilogy something that you and I I think have have agreed on correct me if I'm wrong is that there's been a regression that it's not so much that the galaxy has moved forward it's that the galaxy has sort of moved backward because things didn't work the way they were supposed to you know, like Han yeah, and Leia didn't yeah. work out, and Luke didn't work out, and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, and and you know, I'm I'm more and more convinced that that is because there is a lack of um, there's a lack of of force users in the galaxy out there doing mm. good in and uh, in, in the way that they should, in the way that what we see. Kanan, Hera, Ezra, um, Kanan specifically, and Ezra obviously doing. Um, I I just feel like that that was the thing that you know ended up being the failing is is not passing on what he had learned, and it leads to a galaxy that is lacking the. It's like it's like the force went dormant because there was really only one main force user who. You know, and so I mean that's a, that's a whole other show, I think. But yeah, I'm it, sure <laughs> it really does become something that is an interesting discussion. I think we should have some time about what happened and why. But I think I wanted to ask you. So when watching this show, did you ever expect that you might come to tears over the fact that when Kanan dies, 
you're just ripped up about it because he looks at Hera and shoves her away. You, you know, or the fact that they kiss right before that, and you're like, finally, she said she loves him. I uh, I did not come to tears in that moment. I was, which does not mean I wasn't impacted. I was, I think it's a very strange sort of happiness because it was the, you know, at least he knew, at least he had that, mo- you know, like it, it, it was one of those things where I just thought it was such a poetically beautiful and perfect moment. I don't think I was moved to tears because it was so fulfilling when I got moved to uh, get a bit misty was when you see the epilogue and you see the child. And like, that was the moment where I was like, he, Oh, you know, like it was like, Oh dear, you know, like that, that was uh that was definitely a moment that, that hit me. But I think it hit me because I had that other moment of them truly openly on screen admitting to all of us what we always knew yeah Yeah, the fact that they had been space married and and, you know i was was talking to my friend aaron about this uh who uh does uh star wars bookworms and and the the idea um you know and i always kind of had this feeling but it it does seem like that the finale really does say yeah they had that kind of relationship um, yeah where things happened for every once in a while you know and and it it but i what i love about it again is it it's something that they both seem to draw strength from and they were able to never allow it to cloud their judgment in a way that hurt what they knew was important they were mm-hmm. both important to each other but they also knew that there was this other thing that was really important too and and I, I felt like, you know, the moment when they go to rescue Hera, you know, and Kanan says, Ezra, I need you to plan this mission. Yeah. You know, like the 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 self awareness to be able to say, I can't be the one in charge because I may not think as clearly as I should because of the way I feel about Hera. And I feel yeah. like again, that's just um a perfect example of how Jedi can be in relationship with somebody um because of having that kind of awareness and it just again, this relationship is something I did not expect to feel those feelings about yeah. animated characters um and they 100% get me and you know, and I I think that's that's the hallmark of these animated shows from Star Wars. I mean, you know, when Ahsoka walked away, it was just ripped up, you know? And, and when sure. Kanan dies, you know, and leaving Hera and saving them and all that stuff, it's just... Yeah. It's so good. It is. Um, it's, it's, it's just so it's good. A, it is incredible storytelling in every possible sense. And, I, I like, I just think that where... Where Kanan and Hera ended up felt so natural and such an appropriate uh, evolution of from the first moment to when the series yeah. ended. There was nothing that ever the I think the amazing thing is nothing ever felt forced about it. It was it never felt like well they have to be in this relationship because that's the core of the show. It felt like 
this is these characters and I never questioned it. And I think that that is that in and of itself is an incredible testament to the show. Well, and and I think exactly what you said, the reason that they did what they did um, so that there's never uh, you, you never feel, oh, they they have to be in the relationship because it's not the focus. It's just something in the background. Right. Um, and that you can feel that it's there, but it's it's not the the Grey's Anatomy, Meredith, Derek, will they, won't they? It's not none of that stuff. That, so they don't do that. Everything that you just said right. might as well have been in Hutties because <laughs> I, I'm aware of a show called Grey's Anatomy, but what? So, yeah, my no, point I got there, you. though, I got you, though. I got yeah, it is that beauty, though. Um, and I think it's it's really great that they were able to make that happen. And then I just, I love it. You know, I absolutely love this relationship, and I love these characters. And, and um, you know, I, 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 I long for the day when some of the things that we saw in Rebels, specifically between these two, plays out in other parts of Star Wars, because I, I would be really interested to see as we talked about this idea of the next wave. Okay, what does the next wave look like yes. for Jedi like this? And potentially and for relationships like this. So <laughs> And potentially getting another Jason uh in the mix, as it were. But this has been an incredible conversation. As you said, I don't think anybody really expected these characters to resonate or make as much impact uh, as they did. But if people want to discuss with you their own thoughts about our favorite space marriage, uh, where can they find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram. I'm under the same name. Uh, I am here on the network doing Outpost with Dre Kaufman, talking all about Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. We're going through the entire series. Uh, we're right there in the Goblet of Fire, so I hope you'll check it out. It's been a blast so far. Uh, and uh, you can find me on the Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine on Trek FM. I'm also doing the 602 Club over there talking about all things geeky. I mean, we talk about as much as we uh, can. Star Wars related uh, and, and every other franchise that we can fit into the show. Um, and then, last but not least, you can find me doing Cinema Stories with Courtney, uh, where we talk about films through the ones of faith. So, uh, John, uh, where could everybody find you? Well, I'm Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice, of course. And you can find me right here on the network co-hosting Great Shot Kid with uh, Mike Schindler, where we peel apart the... Uh, the aspects of filmmaking uh, in our favorite franchises that sometimes get overlooked. So uh, that that is a hoot and holler to check out. But with all of that being said, uh, Matt, I think there's only one thing left to say. I think it's time to close negotiations. John, negotiations are closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.